Happy Halloween and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. Andrew and I are preparing a new series of films to watch and review, and as we've mentioned before, we will be covering the increasingly popular subgenre of folk horror films. So I thought I might do something a bit different and explain a bit about what exactly it is in advance of our review series. But look at these lonely houses, each in its own fields, filled for the most part with poor, ignorant folk who know little of the law. Think of the deeds of hellish cruelty, the hidden wickedness which may go on, year in, year out in such places, and none the wiser. Sherlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Copper Beaches It's been mentioned on the podcast before, but Andrew and I live in New England, the home of the witch trials and lots of spooky forests. In fact, we live not far from the Freetown State Forest, which is home to the mysterious Puckwudgie, and the site of several murders, UFO sightings, and other unexplained phenomena. New England itself is dotted with strange, megalithic structures. Not only Profile Rock and Freetown, but Dolmens and Dighton that Cotton Mather claimed were covered with an ancient scriptural alphabet. Theories abound as to who placed these stones, but if you've ever been in one of these forests at night, or an old graveyard, or stared into the Atlantic Ocean from a desolate Cape Cod beach in wintertime, you can appreciate the deep unease they present. In the late 1960s and throughout the 1970s, there was a string of English horror movies that reached deep into the rolling hills and vast fields of the green and pleasant land of myth and created a genre that reflected the same fear and unease that I think is very common, but was not necessarily deeply explored in cinema up before then. Mark Gaddis, in his History of Horror from 2010, referred to this as folk horror, a term that is both accurate and poetic. From the late 60s, a new generation of British directors avoided the gothic cliches by stepping even further away from the modern world. Amongst these are a loose collection of films which we might call folk horror. They shared a common obsession with the British landscape, its folklore and superstitions. This small but growing library of folk horror films includes several of my favorite movies, including several that we've covered on the podcast before. I understand the feeling these movies present of an ancient world of unknown pagan terrors that predates Christian morality. While the best of these movies are not set in America, I think that is a feeling that Americans can understand very well since we came to this land imposing ourselves over traditions and often people who had been here for many years previous. In many cases, in fact, diseases had killed a vast majority of the people who lived in America before the white Europeans, or at least the white Europeans, and some parts of the country arrived, leaving settlers in some areas to wander through relics and stone structures that they had no context or understanding for. Now, the folk horror genre draws on many pre-existing sources. The Quartermass serials from the BBC, the M.R. James stories, The Golden Bough by James George Fraser, Zora Neale Hurston, and earlier films like the silent movie Haxon. Uh, you can call Ingrid Bergman's The Hour of the Wolf a folk horror film, Mark Gaddis, from the BBC Horror Special I mentioned before, points to The Witchfinder General by Michael Reeves from 1968 as one of the first folk horror films. The Witchfinder General, which we covered in episode 33, is a remarkably grim film. The villain is the titular Witchfinder, Matthew Hopkins, who's played with uncharacteristic restraint by Vincent Price, is an entirely about the inhumanity of the way we treat our fellow humans, especially when motivated by avarice and lust. 
And it ends with this nihilistically brutal hacking murder of Matthew Hopkins by the uh, other male protagonist of the film. Now, the apex of the folk horror genre is The Wicker Man, a 1973 film directed by Robin Hardy. Leaning heavily into the paganism aspects of folk horror, this film slowly unpacks a strange island full of animal masks, unchristian pub songs, and finally, one of the most horrifying on-screen deaths of all time, with a virginal police officer screaming and entreating Christ for help that will not come. We covered The Wicker Man in episode 24. I believe in the life eternal, as promised to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Mark Gaddis points to Blood on Satan's Claw as the third classic of the genre. I will point to our episode coming out next week for more thoughts on that. These films are all excellent examples of folk horror. I would also point out that Japan has released several excellent movies that fall into this genre, three of which we've already covered on the podcast, specifically Quieten, Current Echo, and Onibaba, which are not set in, in uh, William Blake's Jerusalem, but cover many of the same themes. I also want to point out that several of the late Ken Russell's films qualify as folk horror, or at least appear on lists of the best folk horror, specifically the amazing Oliver Reed church flagellator The Devils, and the gonzo Bram Stoker adaptation Lair of the White Worm. Both movies I enjoy quite a bit. Folk horror appears every so often since the 70s. Several of the best have appeared in the last decade, actually. I might recommend, uh, as many other people, basically every modern horror fan might recommend, Robert Eggers' The Witch. If you are a fan of listening to me jabber about haunted New England a minute ago, uh, The Witch covers it with a poetry that I don't think any other movie has quite managed. Uh, along along similar lines, but quite different actually, is the psychedelic English Civil War horror film A Field in England. Certainly feels uh, folk horror to me. Let's take a quick break, and after that we'll talk about what makes a folk horror movie. films we've mentioned so far cover a lot of ground, but there are a few main things that mark them as folk horror. The first is the setting of the film. Folk horror is unerringly set in a rural environment. In The Wicker Man, this is Summer Isle. In The Witchfinder General, it's East Anglia. In Midsummer, it's Scandinavia. And the rural setting is probably the clearest marker that this is a member of the folk horror subgenre. But that leads us into directly into the second marker, which is the thematic content of the movie. The rural setting casts one of the primary themes into stark relief, that is, the quiet menace of the rural place. The Sherlock Holmes quote from the beginning of this episode is one interpretation of that. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space, with its disintegrating farms, is another. Somewhere in between is Summer Isle from The Wicker Man, a place that is unmistakably rural and quaint, and also unmistakably menacing. The idea, which may or may not line up with reality, is that the inherent loneliness of these places leads people to commit acts 
of desperation and loneliness, and that you aren't safe there because civilization hasn't found its way all the way out there yet. Now, this is a trope that has also found its way into 80s genre classics. Movies like Children of the Corn and Halloween 3 both feature unnerving cultish towns. In many of these movies, travelers from outside are driven to explore these places due to circumstance or curiosity, and oftentimes a point is made to comment on the out of the wayishness of the setting. If it goes out, it means the death of millions of people, everyone watching. Don't you understand that? The Witch is an excellent example, an extreme example even, of the desolation, loneliness, and horror of extremely rural settings. The Puritan family is so alone and the landscape so inhuman that the destruction at the hands of the witch can almost be seen as a mercy. Now, the rural setting is not always horrifying because of its isolation. In the case of Blood on Satan's Claw and the Witchfinder General, part of the horror is not necessarily the demon in the wood harvesting our skin, but the terror we wreak on each other. Although in The Blood and Satan's Claw, it's probably both. Neither of these films flinch away from showing us rape and murder. And in both, the antagonists don't seem to be motivated by anything other than good old-fashioned human terribleness. A folk horror film also points to the existence and terrifying nature of something older than us. Driven by Fraser's The Golden Bough and its examination of Christianity as descending from older pagan rites and customs, there is the belief that even the fundamentals of our society are descended from these prehistoric themes and customs. The grisly spectacle of the crucifixion, the death and renewal of our world through the blood and sacrifice of Christ. These both have ancient pagan echoes. And many of the folk horror films are preoccupied with this idea. Most notably The Wicker Man, but also many of the other films mentioned do at least touch upon it. It's common for a film to apply this idea to the characters and situations specific to the film. I'm thinking specifically of Ari Aster's Midsummer. In that film, the death serves as a catalyst for not so much a a physical rebirth, but uh, a psychological rebirth. And I don't want to say any more about that because that movie's still fairly recent and I don't want to spoil it. So that covers sort of the basics. I've made quite a few recommendations in here. I hope you're excited to cover the whole genre with us. Uh, I am pretty excited about the prospect of watching and talking about all these movies with my bud, Andrew. If all goes well, we should be discussing Blood on Satan's Claw this weekend and releasing an episode shortly after that. Let me know how you like this essay format. I am thinking about trying to do more episodes like this to supplement our main format. I'm on Twitter at The Water Method, and you can email me at matt at goldenagehorror.com or leave me a voicemail at 508 817-3408. And I just want to remind everyone to leave us a rating or review at the place where you got your podcasts. And also go ahead and visit goldenagehorror.com to subscribe to our newsletter. Andrew lights some fresh every month. I'm going to put a list of all the movies I recommended in this 10 to 15 minute episode up there at goldenagehorror.com on the show notes for this episode. Please stay spooky, everyone. And happy Halloween.